Hi, you're listening to Thoughtful Wellness Revolution, where we believe wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. We're your hosts, Zara and Hien. And before we get started, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and review. Even though we're a podcast that believes in decolonizing, we're still bound to the algorithm. So every little bit that you can help us out, we really appreciate it. And we thank you for all the support. Let's get into it. Hey friends, today we're talking to our guest, Chichi Agoram, who is a writer and Enneagram teacher located in Los Angeles, California. So Chichi, what's on your mind today? <laughs> uh, hi, Zara. Um, I am thinking today about uh, the excitement of this week and of announcing my book being close to publication date um, and all of the love it's received so far. So I'm feeling excitement. I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety. I am feeling um, a sense of accomplishment and yeah, and like openness to see what, what happens with this journey. But that's what's on my mind today. Awesome. Lovely, lovely. So that brings us into, could you tell us a little bit more about this book? Yes, it's called The Enneagram for Black Liberation. Return to who you are beneath the armor you carry. I have it right next to me. <laughs> um, and it is a book about our Enneagram types as armor. So how we utilize our type structures as a way to protect us from pain and suffering and um, how we often confuse the fullness of who we are with these things that we do to survive. And so really my goal and my hope with the book is to be able to help people create space um, to start thinking of their types differently, uh, thinking about their relationships with their types differently, I should say, create space between the type structure and the fullness of who I am so that in that space, I have access to more choice and freedom. I can determine when to use the armor because it's beneficial and when to put it down because I don't need it. Um, but I am centering Black folks in this book and especially Black women in this book because in a lot of my, and almost all of my training with um, the Enneagram, I was usually one of very few um, Black people in the room or people of color in a room. And I felt like there was so much around the teaching and the way that I was um, understanding the Enneagram that catered mostly to um, privilege and to those who are centered. For example, one of the conversations often is, um, well, there, there are two sides to it, but the side I'll focus on for just this portion is that, you know, our types were necessary and beneficial for us in our formative years. But now as adults, like our goal is to really loosen the type and realize we don't really need it as much. And for people who are existing on the margins in our society, um, Oftentimes those, those patterns of survival are still necessary. It's not just something I needed when I was 12. I still need it in certain situations today in my thirties. And so I felt like there was really a gap there in how it was being taught and how it was being talked about in terms of what serves people like me who um, still need my armor. What's my work then? How do I access freedom and choice? while still needing to sometimes be armored in a world that requires that. Um, what does vulnerability look like for me 
in a world in which I still need my armor sometimes, as opposed to this very binary conversation where vulnerability means no armor at all, um, which works again for people who are centered, but not often for those who hold marginalized identities. So that's kind of the overview of the book and yeah. Wow, okay. This is, I'm, I mean, I already pre-ordered the book, obviously I'm very excited for it. I love your work. Um, Thank you. But hearing you explain it that way, one just reminds me like so much of like the beauty and the gifts of the type four to be able to see what's missing and bring that to the surface for everyone. Um, and two, like, yes, this is such a thing within the Enneagram and the way it's taught and the way it's understood is such a binary of you're either in your type or you don't know what you're doing or you do. And you're like, and it's not about like, oh, sometimes I have to choose to be in my type because it is protective or helpful or serves me and benefits me in some way. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, <laughs> thank you for that beautiful explanation. So I guess this kind of brings me to ask the next question. And I feel like when I first was talking to Yen about you, I was like, oh, Chi Chi just shows so much joy on her Instagram page. Like I, you're not, you weren't super public and you weren't posting a lot, but when you were, it was just like, gosh, these moments of pure, like, and there's the four tinge of like aesthetic and stuff, but joy of just like, you can feel it radiating. So I'd love to hear um, a bit about your journey with joy and its role, I guess, in how you wrote the book or came up with the book or what you're sharing in your book, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, what is the role of joy? Um, first of all, thank you for saying that about my uh <laughs> Instagram presence. It's so interesting to me because I feel, not I feel, um, this past year, 2021, has been or had been very difficult at times. And so um, I felt like those were, I, I'm glad to know that I came across like I was embodying joy because it really was a practice um, to not drown. <laughs> in the mess and in all of the stuff that was going on both collectively and personally and so I think one of the things that has been um, helpful for me uh, you asked about like the process of writing the book and I think that I wrote it over the the course of six months I really tapped into a part of me that I credit my mother for she is a one and so I was definitely raised with that you know, attention to detail, structure, organization. I'm, she is still just now learning how to rest. Um, so I tapped into that part of me for the writing of the book and made a, cause I was like, if I just go based off of when the muses appear, this will never get done. And I signed a contract, so this has to get done. So I had like a schedule, you know, um, these same days sit at the same place for the same number of hours and, Right. Um, but I think that in that process, what felt really joyful was being able to, knowing my own tendency to just kind of wait until inspiration strikes, it was very joyful to go back like every few weeks and be like, look at how many words I wrote. I, I really wrote 5,000 words this week. Wow. Um, 
it was also really joyful to not write alone. So one of my uh, very best friends is also a writer and we kind of had like our little writers group. She was, um, she's beginning her MFA, but was part of like a writer's thing at, at the time. And so had some projects to work on. And we both talked about how often like the creative process, especially the writing process is often very solitary and very lonely. And you're supposed to go into this cave and like create something and then come out and show everybody. But it was so much more fun doing it with her. So I think maybe two out of the three times, um, I think so, each week where I would write, I would write with her and we would just sit on Zoom like this and we'd chat for like a few minutes, but then mute ourselves and just work together and then like check in a couple of times. And it just felt so, you know, like there are moments where I would say, hey, can I ask you about this concept that I'm writing about that I'm not sure if it makes sense and bounce ideas off of each other. And that felt really joyful to invite somebody else into my creative process um, because in many other ways I've done it alone in the past. I've always written alone. Um, I also write music. I tend to do that alone. So it just, it felt really joyful to, to have that be collaborative. Um, and then to the other part of your question, I, I had like, I wrote down the, the, I don't know what you would call it, like the theme or the, the main goal of my book on a piece of paper. And I put that on my desk where I could see it every day with like big letters and joy was one of them, like our collective joy and liberation and ease. And, um, in the moments where I was writing and my inner critic was really loud and I felt like a fraud and it was mostly closer to the end when it was like, okay, I'm gonna turn in the final manuscript. And it was like, who wants to read this? Who says you have anything to say? Um, what if this isn't good enough? My type structure was very loud there with what's missing, um, what's not enough here. And I used joy as a way to center myself back to the reality of this is just, this will be the first, as far as I know, unless something else comes out between now and March, um, this will be the first book in like the Enneagram canon of literature that is written by a Black person for Black people. And while that is terrifying in some ways, in other ways, it's really exciting and it gives me a lot of joy. And also when I think about it or allow myself to experience it from more so the joy centered portion. Um, it reminds me that it's not my work to say all the things or know all the things or write all the things. This is the first, meaning that there'll be many more. So I'm just going to focus on what my work is, which is this portion of it that I have, you know, written about. Um, but yeah, overall, I would say joy is a, is a true practice for me because I'm very aware my attention naturally will go to what is difficult. Um, I think that in the last, since the pandemic began, um, one of the things I have been learning personally is to release my attachment to the story of suffering as connected to meaning. So for something to be meaningful, it has to be difficult. Um, for it to be meaningful, I have to suffer in some way. Um, and I think maybe just being thrust into this enormous collective suffering was like the wake up call for me and my personal, you know, like my type uh, tendency to attach to that story. And so I've been working on releasing that narrative and allowing joy to be just as meaningful as pain. Um, 
So I'm glad that that, that comes across. <laughs> I just want to say, like, thank you so much for, you know, sharing everything and talking about kind of seeing joy as meaningful. I'm also a four and I'm, I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, like I should be taking notes, but you know, I'm gonna have this recording and we're gonna have the transcript and everything. Um, but I just feel like that's so helpful uh, because I think joy is hard for me because I also feel like uh, I, I go towards, I don't know, despair <laughs> a lot more easy. And I'm curious to know for you, you know, how, how do you know when you're feeling joy? Because I think for me, it feels very um, fleeting. And sometimes I don't even think I notice it till afterwards. Where I was like, oh, yeah, like, I was actually really happy, like, when I was, I don't know, talking to Zara earlier this week or something. And like, I didn't even register that. Because I mean, like, after that conversation, I go back to like, being upset about the world or being disappointed in something. <laughs> yes. That's such a good question. Um, this reminds me of one of my favorite nerdy stats, which is, which I also put in my book, <laughs> which is that um, it takes our bodies a nanosecond to process negative information, like, you know, in whatever form, whether it's criticism, whether it's whatever it is, but negative information like instantly sticks. Positive, it takes at least 11 seconds. So if someone said, if I said, you look beautiful today, and you said, oh, thank you. Um, so how about blah, 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 you know, like move on really quickly, which we tend to do. It doesn't really stick, but like the pausing to actually allow the integration of whatever the good, whatever the positive is, has, is a good practice for me um, to allow myself to be in the experience of joy, in the experience of, you know, positivity, whatever that looks like. Um, but I would say that the way that I know is through my body. Like it's, it's, um, when I'm experiencing joy, I feel energy in the parts of like, like my hands and my feet and my face where I feel like when I'm, when my foreness is in the driver's seat, a lot of my energy it's kind of in this heart, like chest area, diaphragm area. And I kind of forget that I have limbs. <laughs> um, but with joy, I'll give you an example. Last night I had a, um, an ex like a first uh, as, a, as an author. I took a copy of my book to my favorite LA bookstore and asked if they would read it and stock their shelves with it and maybe do an event with me. And she loved it. It was great. It was awesome. I got to witness two Black women like excited about my book in real time and like, you know, going through the pages and screaming about it. Um, and I walked out of the bookstore and just like flailed around like a crazy person <laughs> for probably five minutes. And even after I got home, like 20 minutes later, I still was like, I would be trying to do something else. But I'm like, I'm still, I'm, my face is still in a smile and my heart, my chest feels warm. And I feel really, um, I don't know, it doesn't, it's just such a body or embodied experience for me when I'm, when I'm feeling joy and it doesn't feel like my head is doing a lot. Like I'm not, I'm not telling myself, oh, this is a good thing. It's just my body being like, this, this feels like delicious 
energy that we want to hold on to. And um, to your point of it being fleeting, of course, it's not a constant state, <laughs> right? Um, but it feels so good. And I'm making, I'm making a practice to recognize how good it feels so that when despair starts sounding appealing again, I'm like, well, there's something a little sweeter. It's not, this is, <laughs> I, know, I know what you're trying to lure me back into, but have you tried joy? Cause it's really, it's really fun. So, and, and the last thing I was gonna say about that actually too, is that it doesn't feel, um, one of the things that I, I think is really important is making the distinction, especially if we're like talking about wellness, for example, the distinction between optimism and joy, which we see probably most clearly with like Enneagram sevens. And I personally think that that, um, that type uh, encapsulates black American culture. But optimism is to me is like this um, determination to see things the way you want them to be. Whereas with joy, you're, it's an invitation to be in reality. Wow, you're right? blowing my mind. You're telling me <laughs> that joy is an invitation to see reality? Because I'm here, I'm used to thinking that's despair or seeing it from the lens <laughs> of despair. So wow, thank you. That is like such a gem that you just dropped there that I'm just like, I, I need to sit with that and practice that. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Um, I am just constantly amazed by what you're saying. I'm be like, I almost said like, you should write a book, but we are here talking about your book. I did. <laughs> ah. And for our listeners, that book comes out when? It will be out March 29th, 2022, everywhere books are found. And um, yeah, you should... Pre, it's available for pre-order now. I know this won't be out till February, but it's already available for pre-order. And then we'll be shipping out slash uh, physical copies will be available March 29th. Perfect. So when you are listening to this, the book will probably already, will maybe be just about out or will be out. And we would love if you check it out because it sounds amazing. And I'm sure it's filled with more wisdom. Um, I have a question that is, um, something we don't have time for, but are you, <laughs> I have, so I'm gonna, I, I just, I'm curious, are you still a working in therapy as a therapist? Um, no, I'm not. Okay. okay. Um, bless. Cause I was going to ask how that has been throughout <laughs> the pandemic. You know, it's, it's interesting actually, um, to think about that in connection to your question about joy, because um, the start of the pandemic in 2020, when we were all naive, <laughs> little babies, didn't know <laughs> what was coming. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is going to be like a few months. Um, and then we had that summer with the uprisings and the uh, protests and a lot of, I would say like maybe 85% of the clients I was seeing at the time were black folks and holding space for that sort of collective trauma while experiencing it myself, both in terms of like the pandemic, but then also all the other things that were going on in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement and like the murder of black folks on, you know, on TV. Um, 
it was a lot. And I realized that I'm, I'm really good at sitting with people and holding space and, and all of that. Um, and it's really meaningful work. But it was not bringing me joy. It was, it felt incredibly um, heavy and difficult. And um, it was, I, it, now thinking about it in retrospect, I feel like was probably the start of the same theme that I'm continuing with in my personal life of trying to honor joy as just as meaningful as suffering because it felt like suffering and I was good at what I did <laughs> and it was still meaningful and, and and positive in those people's lives but in for my own like wellness it just felt like I have to put my mask on first and I think that that means stepping away for a bit to like reground myself in hope and joy and care and softness and be responsible for that for me without also being responsible for 30 other people. So yeah, maybe someday in the future, I will return to it. But I also really love the idea of exploring other ways to be with people to, in those sorts of healing spaces in a more collaborative, collective way. Um, cause I think often like healing and wellness is talked about as this individual responsibility. It's your responsibility to figure out what's wrong with you and heal. Meanwhile, we're all impacted by the systems that we exist in. And so I don't think that healing is individual work. I think it's collective work. And so I would love to explore other ways to do that. I am exploring other ways to do that other than just one-on-one -on -one talk therapy. Um, well, we absolutely love that you said that because our tagline for this podcast, which I'm sure everyone is so sick of hearing as our listeners, but you will be excited for is wellness isn't wellness if it's just for you. Um, yes. <laughs> like it doesn't count if it doesn't consider how systematically we're all being oppressed and marginalized folks are being oppressed. Like it, it's stressful. That's not wellness. That's you-ness. Um, <laughs> so, um, I want to be mindful of our time here he ends should we go ahead with our yeah our last so we always end by asking people our guests just random people we pick them um we always end by asking our guests what's one thing you want to see more of in wellness and what's one thing you want to see less of in wellness i think one thing i would love to see more of is that collective um, understanding that our healing and wellness and freedom is interconnected. Um, and for us to really, I would love to, cause I, I don't even know what that, I try to imagine what a world like that could look like, but I have never lived in such a world. And so, and I know that that's part of, that's part of the invitation, right? That's part of the work is to use our collective imagination to um, expand beyond what we have known so far. But I would love to see more of that in those kinds of conversations around wellness and around healing and thriving. Um, and what I would like to see less of, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a cop out to say like the, op like the opposite of what I just said, but, um, I think maybe to be more specific, 
something I would love to see less of is the um, commodifying of wellness or like <laughs> the way that capitalism has infiltrated everything, but also wellness in the sense of like specific to that, I mean, um, how within capitalism, everything is a means to an end. And so we've taken that towards our own wellness and growth where if I'm going to rest or I'm going to take care of myself, it's so that I can show up better for work or so that I can, you know, be a better, I can, there can be better output. Um, and I would love to see less of that because it's not, we're not machinery <laughs> and it's not, this is not a means to an end, right? The, the end is, the, the process is us growing into uh, fuller thriving and healing and rest and ease and all that, as opposed to, I do that so that I can produce more or so that I can be seen better or so that I can, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, I would love to see less, less memes that are like, rest is actually productive so that you can like come back and do more work. Like, no, you don't get it. You don't get it at all. No. <laughs> yes, I absolutely love that. Um, I've been finding rest to be a challenge for myself as well. And so I love the, I like making it not a productive thing. And it's really been life changing to not do that. So yeah, we're going to wrap up our episode here, right, Hien? Yeah. Can you tell us how people can get oh. in touch with you? Thank you. Yeah. Um, you can follow along on Instagram at the Enneagram for Black Liberation. Um, and you can also find me at chichiaborum.com. Thank you so much, Chichi, for sharing everything that you did with us. I am definitely so excited for your book. So this is our post interview with Chi Chi and Zara. I am so emotional in the best way because she blew my mind in the best way uh, coming from a four listening to another four talk. I'm just no words. Um, I agree. I mean, I think we've listened. We've had so many great guests. I have not teared up on any of them except for today's. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I'm curious about your thoughts as a four, what's on your mind today and post-interview. All right. So I'm just going to go be real with y'all because that's the point of, of why we are here is to be real with you all is that, you know, I have been feeling really depressed this week. And, you know, today was one of those days where I got up kind of late and I went for a walk at the park and then I came home to do this podcast with Zara, which, you know, I always find joy and inspiration in, but feeling a little bit more kind of nervous, maybe like just feeling more low energy and feeling a little bit like, I don't know how this is going to go. And also feeling like, oh shit, Chi Chi is so cool. And she's also a four, you know, like, like the weird fourness thing that I get into with like comparison or whatever. And, and then Chi Chi, we meet Chi Chi and Chi Chi starts uh, talking. And I just feel like there, there is such, I don't know how to explain it, but I just feel like I was able to be vulnerable even though 
you know, it's, it's her talking as our guest. And so, I mean, when you think about usually who's more vulnerable on a podcast, it's probably usually more the guests, right? Cause they're there to share their story and like all the things they've been up to, which Chi Chi did today. But I felt like even as the podcast hosts, I felt like I was able to feel vulnerable um, and disarmed. And I find that so interesting and it feels really good. I guess <laughs> like it feels really good to say, I mean, I'm, I'm vulnerable enough to admit that I've been really depressed this week and had this really beautiful conversation with the four where she talked about joy. And I'm thinking about my own joy in my life, which, you know, in this moment. I'm going to take my 11 seconds, as she says, and just kind of feel that joy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. And I love, I think, well, that's also like a testament, I think, to Chi-Chi and people, or her doing her work and anyone doing their Enneagram work and like really just like the ability to embody um, the the highest parts of yourself, like the equanimity, I think is really beautiful. And just, you can tell, I mean, listeners, if you don't follow Chi Chi's sub stack and like her writing, it's really beautiful. And I think um, one of the, like the, one of the gifts of being able to tell a story is being able to disarm people and hold them in a space. Right. And I think she did such a great job of that, of just being herself and coming into the space vulnerably that it made it so open for us to be vulnerable as well and not that we don't not that we're coming on this podcast with like walls up and you know trying to hide who we are but I think um as interviewers it's it's a lot easier to be like oh what am what how am I gonna ask a question about this or what am I thinking about this um versus how am I feeling about this right um and I think we talk about this in our bonus episode. Um, so if you aren't subscribed, you should go check it out on our Substack. Um, but uh, feelings aren't an emergency, right? And so it's like, you know, when you're doing a job, it's easy to be like, oh, like what I'm feeling right now isn't important. But when I when we create soft spaces and vulnerable spaces, we and people who do that, I think it's really beautiful and wonderful. And yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed that conversation. I'm rambling a bit. <laughs> no, I love it. With, oh my gosh, Star, I love it when you ramble. Like, please, please ramble because like right now I'm just really in my feels and it's really interesting because I can tell that Chi Chi is, I mean, it's no surprise. She's a space holder. You know, she has a therapy background um, because I felt, you know, similarly with what everything you're saying, like as the podcast hosts, we're the ones holding space for our guests, but I also felt like she held space for us, which is why, again, I'm in this place where I feel emotional and vulnerable, but in a really beautiful way. And, um, I just, I just can't wait for everything that she does. Like, I, I can just tell that, um, Look at this. I'm like a four saying this about another four. So it's kind of funny, but I'm like, she's so special. Like what she is doing is so beautiful and special. And I just, and I just really want to like underline that and highlight that. I mean, that's the point of our podcast, right? Is having all these people on where we just like, you know, root for them and support them. And I, but I just feel very strongly, maybe, maybe because it's that four, like the connect four thing. And I just feel that so much right now. And it, it feels nice to feel that way. Like it feels nice as a four who often goes into despair, who has been really depressed this week 
it feels good to see someone in the world and think like, yeah, like I really support your work and I'm excited for something because it's getting harder and harder for me to find things to be excited about, I'll be honest. Um, truthfully, I feel that so deeply. I feel like I'm less in that space right now because I started like a new group or, you know what I mean? So I'm on that like, oh, there's a new thing. But like underneath the surface, it's bubbling because everything is so stressful right now. And it really, it is hard, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we're to, still talking. We're like on, we're, yeah. we're on January 14th. 2022 right now so so for context of the timeline like for context yeah it's hard to feel it's hard to not get caught up in things because of the heaviness of so much going on around and you're also I think you're also in a cold place where cold things happen um and that makes I guess people want to be outside less I don't go to cold places because I don't like to be outside and I'm assuming that's why other people don't like it either um so it also makes it hard where it's just like yeah yeah there's just I had fur in my mouth (laughs) like not animal fur like like blanket fur sorry everyone okay I was like what (laughs) I was thinking like was it your dog you have your dog's hair in your mouth or something because I saw your dog was going to you earlier so um yeah yeah no um also I forgot to tell everyone what's on my mind. I, cause I don't really know. Um, I'm sorry. I always forget to ask. Like I realize I, I, I should I be better know. on that. Um, I forget how to introduce things on the podcast other than the <laughs> initial thing I know I'm supposed to say every time. So it's fine. That's listeners you're hearing. This is the reality of it all. And I think that's really beautiful and wonderful. Um, what's going on with me? I, Honestly, I'm having a chronically in pain, disabled illness issue recently. And I would just like to find specific positions to sit in and be in that are not painful. Um, If you've seen me in the video, I'm like constantly doing this with like my shoulders, my neck. Um, Yeah. So it's, I guess, frustrating to feel wow I guess we are being vulnerable today look at what we're we're super vulnerable today um yeah yeah um yeah so it's hard to feel excited about things and have things to feel excited about and still everything is hard that feels hard um because life is hard like not like out for everyone because the world um but also yeah chronic illness things are hard yeah Oof, we don't, we're not, we're not putting our armor back on. That is just the truth of where I am, friends. And if that made you feel uncomfortable, I am apologetic for you. Um, I'm not sorry about what I said because it is real and we're making space for softness. Um, Yeah. This is it. This this is definitely the practice because how it's, it's interesting because even though we're in this very vulnerable moment, I did for a second in my head also think, oh shit, how, how can we end this in a way that feels silver liney, you know, or that feels whatever, like 
more polished and whatnot. But like, the truth is, that's just not where we're at today. Like Zara and Kian are going through it. And you know what, if you are too, that's okay. Hang on. We love you. Thank you for listening. Um, and we'll get through this together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe let's close out on the note of Hien, I am so, so grateful for you. Listeners, we are so, so grateful for you. And Hien, if you can say that you're so, so grateful for me, we'll take it and we'll close it out for our 11 seconds. Zara, I am <laughs> so, so grateful for you in a way that... I can't even explain, but just deeply grateful. And you know that. And also very grateful for everyone here uh, who's listening. Yeah, thank you. Um, also, let's just add, I'm not a two fishing for compliments. I just truly wanted <laughs> it to close out the circle. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Thoughtful Wellness Revolution podcast. For bonus content, you can go to thoughtfulwellnessrevolution.substack.com and subscribe for $5 a month. You can also follow us on Instagram at Thoughtful Wellness Revolution to share your thoughts. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you're listening.